Welcome to the 9 to 5 Killers podcast, an explorative and insightful journey inside the minds of some of the most successful entrepreneurs who have killed their day jobs to pursue their passions. Streets raise me, born in 80s baby, Lord save me, cause today I'm going crazy with this bullshit, 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 crazy with this bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. Welcome to season two of the 95 Killers podcast, episode three. I'm your host, Glenn Graham. And today I'm here with a very special guest. She's a singer, actor, photographer, and designer, Miss Katie Beth Barber, AKA KB. But before I bring Katie on, I want to let you know where you can find her. You can find her on Instagram at Katie Beth Barber. That's spelled K-A-T-Y-B-E-T-H Barber. So Katie Beth Barber on Instagram and find her amazing photography work at kbarberphotography.com. And now without further ado, let me introduce you to KB. Welcome to the show, KB. How are you doing today? I'm pretty good. How are you? I'm great. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I'm glad to have you here. When I first saw you on, on Instagram, I noticed that, you know, you're an actress mm-hmm. and it also... You seem to model a bit too. Mm-hmm. You have you have you wear different hats. Yes. So tell me a little bit about what you do, so I can have a better understanding. Yeah, absolutely. So I wear a lot of different hats. I sing, I act, I model. I'm a professional photographer and designer. So I've been able to create a space for myself where, at any given day, I'm doing either something completely different than I was the day before, or I'm going to another audition or another job where I'm doing a family session or I'm shooting a wedding or I'm doing. Um, some graphic design for clients in Atlanta or Miami or wherever I happen to be. So it's a lot of, it's a lot of fun. Wow. That's interesting. So, so you don't, so you have the, you have like the New York hustle mentality from Chattanooga. Yes. From Chattanooga, Tennessee. Tennessee, Tennessee. Um, So how did you come to be from Chattanooga, Tennessee to New York city? That is It's a long story, but I'll give you the short version. I was raised in Chattanooga, Tennessee. I went to college in Atlanta, Georgia. I moved back to Tennessee after I graduated where I was working full-time for a nonprofit. And then after only a year of working in the nine to five world, I realized that it just really wasn't where my passion was. I wasn't able to be as creative as I wanted to be. And so I turned in my two week notice and a month later I moved to New York with no job in place. Wow. So you moved to New York with no job in place. No. So tell me a little bit about how did that go for you? (laughs) (laughs) It was, it was an adventure. It was a big leap of faith for sure. Um, I, I'm actually wearing this necklace that says my faith is bigger than my fear. And that's kind of how I've always tried to live my life. Um, so I, I decided that I was going to move to New York. I've Mm. always wanted to live in a bigger city than Chattanooga, Tennessee. No offense to everybody who lives there. It's a great city but I, it's just not for me. Um, and so I, but I can't, I can't imagine, I can't imagine how you, you came to New York city, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. You know, nobody here. How Mm -hmm. much did you have in your pocket? What did you do? Give me like a, (laughs) so that I have, so like, you know, people's listening to this and they might want to leave their town. And I know a bunch of people that I've met, a lot of people that I've met in New York city are not from New York city. Right. So kind of give like, give like a little, a little guide to like what you had in your pocket, what was in your wallet, what'd you come here with and (laughs) what did you do first and then how'd you get afloat? Yeah, so I first found an apartment. 
I knew what I wanted to have in my budget because I worked at United Way of Greater Chattanooga for a year and I was living with my parents, I was able to save all of that money. So my first tip for anybody moving to a big city is save as much money as you possibly can, however you can. Don't do anything immoral or illegal, but <laughs> have as much money in your pocket as you can. Um, and so I, I was coming up with that and a dream and then my first I guess step was just to find an apartment. So I scoured spareroom.com and apartments.com and liverentfree.com because I was like, that'd be cool if I could do right. that. Side note, it did not happen. <laughs> um, but I ended up finding a church's classified ads and I found my apartment through there. It's called Redeemer Classifieds. And I was able to find two women that I had stuff in common with. We were around the same we were all different ages, but we all were of the same faith, which I really appreciated. Um, and so I was able to move to Roosevelt Island, which is a very weird place to live when you first come to New York. Most people are like, I want to live in Bushwick or I want to go to Brooklyn or wherever. And I was like, yeah, no, Roosevelt Island is like a little <laughs> Hallmark town in the middle of a big right. city. Oh, that's awesome. So that's a that's a great story because, you know, I have people that they want to move and they want to make these decisions. And not even just people that are not from here, people that live at home with their parents. Mm -hmm. And one of the things they do is, I might have asked how old are you? I'm you 25. Moved? And how old were you when you moved here? I was 23. Okay, 23. There's people that wanna move on their own and do stuff and they live with their parents, mm -hmm. but they invest in clothing and they invest in all of these different things that aren't, aren't necessarily investments, but they are liabilities and they don't accrue in value. Right. And so then they wanna move and then, they do move eventually, but they hadn't take advantage like you did and, and saved up because, you know, your parents may not want you to go and they may not be willing to give you money to go <laughs> to a place like New York City. I'm sure you had some issues with that. So they were very supportive, actually. Oh, I am okay. very, awesome. very grateful for my family. They have been behind me every step of the way just because from the time I was four years old, they knew that I was going to be bigger than any city I was living in, especially I was born in Boone, North Carolina in the Appalachian Mountains. So like super tiny town. And then we moved to Chattanooga, Tennessee, which is a little bit of a bigger town, but not much bigger. Um, but it wasn't really until I moved to Atlanta, which is a lot bigger than Chattanooga, that I was like, okay, I, I like the big city. And then when I lived in Oxford for a little bit, I was always in London. I was never in Oxford for very long because I was like, so I'm going to go to London and this right, is where right. I'm going to be. <laughs> so your parents, they were supportive, right? Mm -hmm. Um, at, at, was there any point in time when you moved here that you thought that you might have made a mistake? Yes, all the time. Give me a, get an example <laughs> of like what happened earlier on that that made you say maybe I, I moved a little too fast. Um, I think one of one of the things that really took me back was how expensive it is to live in the city. Um, and so the first time that I like ate out with friends and it was like twenty eight dollars or something, I was like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> um, right right so that was that was one of those moments um and then the first time that I ever went to an open casting call because I am an actor and that's what I came up here to do was to be a full-time artist I was in a sea of women that looked like me that sounded like me that had similar you know body features and everything and I was just like okay am I different enough? Am I talented enough? Am I, am I enough just in general in my KB-ness to be here? In my first audition, I was not. I, I right. did not, it did not go very well um, just because I was so nervous. And I, I left that audition and I was 
crying and I was just like, okay, did I make a mistake moving here? And then I got called back for another audition. And that brings me to another topic. Well, same topic, um, just something I read on your Instagram. You mentioned that when you were doing interviews, you were or for or auditions, you were taking, you weren't taking lead roles. You were taking roles that was the best friend or mm-hmm. the, the companion. Speak more to that. Why were you doing that? And what did you learn from doing that? Yeah. Um, so my entire life, I've been a heavier set woman. I just... I'm not a size zero. I'm not, you know, anything like that. And so because of the world that we live in, if you are not a size zero or if you're not that like looking like the ingenue um, that you see on TV and all of these super skinny women, then who are beautiful, don't get me wrong, um, then you are the best friend. You are the the funny fat girl. You are the this person and that person that's never quite in the spotlight, but always either trying to get in the spotlight or the best friend of the girl who is, that's always like their sounding board. And that's just kind of how I am in life anyway. I, even though I have a big personality, I always, people come to me for advice and people see that when I am in an audition room and it's just kind of like the motherly nature that I have kind of takes over. And so that's what they cast me as, which is great. But I realized that it was really limiting especially how I saw myself. And after I lost weight, I had always been the best friend. I had never seen myself as the girl who could take the lead. And as the world is changing and as I was learning about myself, being away from my parents and being away from my family and truly becoming who I am, I realized that the only thing stopping me from going after any of those other like lead roles was myself. Mm-hmm. So something that you did recently that I really like is you said something and I think it was your Instagram story. <laughs> and you oh, no. said, you said, um, I don't know what happened, but you said, I don't care. It had something to do with the Black Lives Matter movement. And mm-hmm. you you posted something in support of it. And then you put, I don't care if I lose followers. Um, Jesus only had 12. <laughs> yes. And even then one betrayed him. What made you write that? Is there a specific story behind that or? So in light of the world in which we're living and everything that's been going on recently with the, I, I would say, continuation or revival of the Black Lives Matter movement and Um, all of the evil and just unjustness that we're seeing all around us. I've had lots of really hard conversations with people who are white, who look exactly like me, if they have blonde hair and blue eyes and white skin. Um, And they're like, I'm just scared to speak out because what if I lose followers? And I was like, it, it was one of those moments where like, I don't even, I don't think about followers. I don't think in terms of that. I think of, I know what's right. I know what I believe and I'm going to stand up for what's right, no matter what it costs me. And so if it costs me some followers, cool. I probably don't want to be followed by you anyway. I don't want to be friends with you. If you have hatred in your heart towards a certain group of people, just based on how they look. That's what people are talking about. They're They're afraid of losing sponsorships. Um, even black, even there's black people that are afraid to speak because, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to lose sponsorship. Or I don't want to do this or that. And I think that we have to come to a time where we actually put ourselves out there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think that for me, no job is worth having. No gig is worth getting if it means putting other people down or doing something that I'm not comfortable with. I, there have been roles in acting that I have been offered that I have turned down because I just, it did not go along with my morals. And so if I, if I know that I 
am strong enough in my beliefs to turn down something that I know I've been called to do because I did not believe in that role, then there is nothing stopping me from standing up for everybody. That's beautiful. And you know, another, another thing is um, just to um, equate this to the nine five killers mm -hmm. mentality is this, we give away way too much power to the powers that be, mm -hmm. whether that is, I'm talking about political leaders, um, celebrities, um, people with money in general, mm -hmm. like somebody has money, they can get on with a t-shirt, no brushed hair and start telling you stuff about <laughs> life. You don't ask them, you don't ask yourself, no disrespect to Gary Vee, for example, shout out to Gary Vee. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm just using him as an example, but I'm, but he's actually works pretty hard. I, I actually followed some of the things he talks about. I don't agree with everything um, as you shouldn't agree with everything someone says, but I'll tell you something, True. people that follow celebrity and money religiously, they don't ask themselves, well, how'd you get this money? Mm-hmm. They don't ask yourself like, well, what did the person do to gain it? All they know is that they, because they have money, they must know more than me. And I know I definitely made that mistake. I used to say back in the day when something happened, I wonder what Oprah's gonna say, or I wonder what Donahue, whoever, whoever was the person at the time, what was, this, what was this political person gonna say? And when I realized that your voice is super powerful, mm -hmm. you can build a powerful platform. Back then I didn't know how to do that because there was no social media when I was coming up. Right. So now, I'm realizing you have Facebook, you have Instagram, you have all of these platforms. And I see people that they, they know that it's powerful because they make money on them, mm -hmm. but they don't use it for their voice. Mm -hmm. Once when something happens, they get silent and they wait for the celebrity to say something. And you and we don't want to be giving those people power. It, and it's it's a funny thing. You know, I I'm. I'm 25 years old, so I grew up with Facebook and Instagram, and at least in like my formative years. When I was eight years old, I was playing with sticks. But <laughs> I, as I got older, right. um, you know, I had Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and all of that. And the thing that I've noticed about all of these social media platforms is that it really just brings out the truth of who you are. It is really just an extension of who you are. And so if you're not sure about who you are, then you are going to be silent when something happens around you and you haven't educated yourself or done the research yourself to truly understand why it is that you believe what you believe. Once you understand the why it is of what you do, whether it's a nine to five killers podcast or a photography or standing up and marching with Black Lives Matter, then once you truly understand the why, then you can be so sure that what you're saying has power and that you matter and your voice matters and you truly do have the power to change at least one person. You know, we don't, we might not, your goal might not be to change the world, but if you can change the heart of one person or if you can, you know, grow the education of people just by one, then I think it's a good, good thing. But as you, as you pointed out just now, it's about amplifying your voice. Mm -hmm. So what ways are you doing that? Because I see that you do the same thing, right? A similar thing. Mm -hmm. What is, describe what you're doing and, and how you, you help your clients. Oh, gosh. Um, I think that one of the ways that I help my clients, people come to me with all sorts of different, whether they just want me to create social media graphics or um, help me to grow their following or whatever that is. And I, the first thing that I do is I sit down and I have a conversation of what it is that you are trying to say. What does your brand mean? What do you stand for? And what is your why? I don't know if you've read the book by Simon Sinek, but it's called Start With Why. And it's it's amazing. It changed the way that I did my business just because I was like, la, 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 here's a really pretty picture. And then it was just like, no, what am I trying to say with these pictures? What stories am I trying to tell when I go out for these jobs? What is the why of why I'm trying to go out there? And so 
I sit down with my clients and I ask them, well, what is your why? Why did you start 9to5Killers? Why did you do this? Why are you doing this? Um, and once we really dive into that, then it makes their voice so much more clear. And then that's how you organically grow your followers. So we're not going to pay $50 to get 100 people to follow you because that's just nonsense. Because um, we were talking about this before we started recording of just like you want to... The, the reason that I love being a small business is because I get to know all of the people that I work with. We can pivot. We can respond individually. I can say, hey, Glenn, yes, thank you so much for reaching out. And I know who you are. When you're a big company and you have millions of followers, you can't necessarily do that. And so I, I love helping brands really just figure out who they are, why they're doing what they're doing, and understand that it's more about just numbers. It's about true, like, true connections. No, I mean, and, and it shows because even interviewing you, right? Um, I've interviewed, I think it's about 16. You might be interviewing number 17 or 18. I forget at this point. But the thing about it is I realized something earlier on. When you, when people create something, they're excited to create it. Oh, well, I'm going to do this podcast or I'm going to do, when I did my graphic design and doing websites or putting a music video out back in the day, people were excited at the creation of the thing. Mm -hmm. Once it's created, they didn't think about where it goes. There is no good thing out there in this world that did not have a lot of work behind the scenes. And that's just, I've always had that mentality of, I've always worked hard. I always am going to work hard. I'm always going to support those who I want to support. We were talking about that earlier too. Um, and I don't know, it's just, I definitely have a growth mindset and I know that you can't grow without hard work. Wow, that's great. I mean, and it, and it has a lot. So I like to look at podcasts, whatever creative thing. And this is to my audience. I want to talk to you guys directly for a minute. Whatever thing that you are putting out there, think of it as like a movie or a, a music um, record or recording. Mm -hmm. You have to promote it. Mm -hmm. Like it is, it will sit there and no one will push it. Mm -hmm. You are part of the production. People that get called back for all of these acting roles you know, you'll see like um, The Rock Johnson or Kevin Hart. People will say, I don't like their acting or whatever. But one thing I will tell you is this. I see sometimes their personal Instagram post about whatever they're working on before I actually see the actual movie mm -hmm. trailer. That means that to the director, they know when I get this person, when I'm working with them, a Will Smith or whoever, they understand that it's not just their job to just be in the place. It's my job to promote the thing. Mm -hmm. And I've been a, a part of many things that I've been on board with and have people not promote it, who they are the key person that's going to benefit from it, they will not promote it. And it's interesting that you say that because I, I've talked with a lot of people about this, but my generation and the generation that's coming in after me, they, we, they, we, whatever, we are <laughs> all a part of like a participation award culture where mm -hmm. Everybody gets an award for participating and it's not just first, second and third anymore. And it's like, no, that's not how the world works. You have to put in the work. You have to do all of these things. You're not just going to nobody's going to sit around and just promote your stuff for you unless you hire them to do that. But in order to hire somebody to do that, to have a manager or a publicist, you have to have money. You have to do the work first. And so I'll never I'll just never understand why people, especially um, if I have photography clients, they're like, I don't understand why your post didn't get more pictures of, or like more likes with like that I was in. And I was like, well, did you share it? Did, 
did you post it? Did you, have you shown it to your friends? And they're like, oh, well, no. And I was like, okay, well, then I don't understand why you thought it was going to go further than it did just because it's not just my job. I, I'm going to do everything that I possibly can for you, but you also have to put in the work. And it's just, it's crazy to me that people don't understand. Like years ago, we couldn't speak on the phone. Like we could speak on the phone, but it would have cost you. I remember I spoke to somebody from another country when I was like, I was dating this woman and she lived in another country at one point. I don't know how that happened. You know, when you're young, <laughs> things happen, right? And I remember this was before there was anything called unlimited time on right. the phone. Okay. So that means I had to buy a $10 card. We might've spoke twice. I must've spent about $20 to talk to this lady. Mm. And then that was the end of the relationship. Um, if it was now, you got Zoom. All you need is a Wi-Fi connection. Right. You got Zoom, you got FaceTime, you got, you got FaceTime, WhatsApp, you, you got, got Facebook Messenger that can do calls. You have all sorts of things. You have no understand. You have no idea what this means to a person like me who used to pay twenty dollars to talk to somebody. I can now talk to you and see you mm -hmm. for free, right? Pretty much, right? So when I hear that, that that has to um, equate to promotion as well. Because ima imagine what it would have been like back then to get somebody to see your stuff. Mm -hmm. You would have had to be on TV, mm -hmm. number one. Yes. Now you have just the, amount, the same amount of chance to get in front of some the people that you want to see as a TV personality. There's some, pe there's some influencers that are more popular than celebrity yeah. or politicians. Absolutely. So my point is this, because we didn't, we didn't have that kind of medium yet. So I really appreciate it. And I appreciate also people, um, I would say in your generation and younger, you guys keep me on my toes in mm. terms of what I can do with the social media. I may have the knowledge of what, of how to implement certain things, but I didn't always have the savvy mm -hmm. to get it out there. And, and I have to give that a lot to the younger generation because you guys show me like what a hashtag is mm -hmm. and the power of a hashtag. the power of a hashtag. Mm -hmm. It's a powerful world that we're living in for sure. Um, social media, it can be an incredible platform um, when you have something to say, I think. When you have something to say. <laughs> that brings me to my next uh, question for you. Now you said that you worked for this company before, right? Mm -hmm. Like how, how many, how many years have you worked for a company? Have you ever had any long extensive time working for, or you always wanted to work for yourself? So I have always wanted to work for myself. From the time I was 13 years old, I became assistant director of a musical theater camp. Um, so I was helping with other things and I was always leading other people. Um, when I got to college, when I was 18 years old, I was going to school, I was um, majoring in communications and rhetoric with a theater minor. I was working full-time at a company called the Atlanta Workshop Players, where I was also part of their professional musical theater company. So I've always had lots of different hustles that I've been doing. Um, and then when I, I graduated, I graduated college early, but the last semester of college, I was interning for United Way, where I ended up working full-time. And with that company, um, so I worked with them like all throughout the summer, all throughout the fall, my last fall semester. And then I started full time with them in January. And so I was with that company for only about a, a year and a half before I um, gave my notice. But again, I think that that's kind of it just goes. I've like I said, I've always had a growth mindset. I've never been one to be complacent and be happy with where I am, not saying that I don't enjoy the moment and I'm not present in the moment. It's just I have a goal and I know what it's going to take to work towards that goal. Okay, so what do you like or what have you taken from working for a company that you bring to 
your your current business? Everything, I think. Um, that, which, which is, is different. I know that a lot of nine to five killers are like, no, I got away from that because it didn't do anything with what I want to do now. But everything that I do now, I was marketing and communications director at this company when I was 21 years old. I don't know why they gave me that power. It, that's a different story entirely. Um, but there were so many things that I learned there and so many people skills that I learned there that I was able to bring into the business that I have to found my photography company and my design company and just dealing with people who have different opinions than you in the workplace is a very political thing that you have to navigate and learn to do and working with people that look down on you because of your age or your gender or whatever the case may be and just learning how to continue to stand up for myself um, through that I think has really helped me become the person that I am today. Give me an example of a time when you you were hired to do some work for somebody but then decided that you didn't want to do the work because they didn't want to do the work. Yeah, I, I think that that's happened a couple of times in my um, freelance life. <laughs> um, one, one story that comes to mind is I, so I'm, I also work with somebody else and I'm creative director of another company that's based in Atlanta and Miami. And one thing that we have together have decided to turn down clients is because they look down on us because of our age. And when, especially when I speak, I have always been mature for my age. You know, I'm only 25 years old, but I've, I've had the opportunity to accomplish a lot since then. Um, and there have been times when I have turned down clients and when it's just been one of those things Well, it's like, well, you're younger than me, so we're going to do it this way. We're going to do it this way. We're going to do it this way. And I was like, okay, while I understand where you're coming from, the reason that you hired me and we went through this entire thing in the first place and I asked you all of these questions about what is your why is because you're trusting me with your brand and if you don't trust me with your brand and to, to help you get to where you want to be then maybe this isn't the right fit um, and so I, I've had to face a lot of those types of obstacles once they realize how young I am I never really put that out there when I first meet people I'm not like hey y'all I'm 25 I'm from Tennessee um, right, right. And so that's been interesting. And do you find um, that being young and being a woman, does that ever come into play? Have you ever worked for somebody and then they're trying to like, I'm the guy, I know what I'm talking about as well, or is it just? All the time. <laughs> <laughs> Give me an example. <laughs> Literally all the time. Um, there, there was an example when I was working with another photographer and we were out on the job and I was the lead photographer and they were the assistant photographer. They did not like that at all. They were trying to push me out of the way and get the shot that they wanted to shoot. And they were like, well, I know what's best because I've been in this situation. You know, I, I have this much more experience than you. And I had to kindly explain to him. I, I pulled him aside when the, the couple was changing. And I just said, and I was like, hey, they hired me as their lead photographer. We have worked together. We I know what they're looking for. And I don't appreciate you stepping on my toes and trying to push me out of the way when this is my job and you're here to assist me. He did not like that very much. So they hired him as a second or what did you hire him as a second? They hired hmm. me and because it was an engagement shoot, I always have a second photographer with me depending on the package that they, they hire. And so I just happened to bring this guy along that we, we had met on social media. Like we, he's an incredible photographer. And I just asked him, I, I had assisted him on a shoot before. And so I was returning the favor by asking him to assist me. And he has never assisted me since. 
Wow. It's funny how, you know, you can work. I think a good, a good entrepreneur knows that sometimes you're going to be in charge. Sometimes you won't be. Mm -hmm. And having that understanding is something that a lot of people miss out on. Yeah. Do you find that when you are working um, in a, cause in, in a, um, especially in a male dominated industry, <laughs> um, do you find that the expectations of what they'll do or how they'll speak to you is different than they speak to their, their male counterparts? Yeah, I, I think so. Um, I do, I do a lot of freelance work for a company where every single person is about 30 or 40 or 50 years older than me. And the, the men that run it are, are old white men. I love them to death. They are incredible people. <laughs> if you're listening to this, I love you. <laughs> I just want to put that out there. Um, but there, there have definitely been times when I feel less than or other just because I'm a woman and because I was 23 when I started working with them when they were shooting longer than I had been alive. Um, and so it's one of those things where even not working with that particular company, just in, in general, it's so hard to make a name for yourself and to make a way for yourself when there are, mm -hmm. there are people who have been shooting longer than you have or who have been doing whatever you do longer than you have been doing. And it's just, again, it's one of those like grit and determination things and understanding why you're doing what you're doing that you sometimes have to let those comments roll off your back or be like, oh no, kid, you don't understand. And I'm like, okay, first off, I'm not a kid. Thank you. Secondly, I'm kind of a kid, but that's not the point. <laughs> you know, it's just, um, just understanding who you are and why you're doing what you're doing. Like what, if your younger self was doing something that maybe you forgot about, what, would, what advice would you take from your younger, the younger you? To be unapologetically yourself, no matter who's in the room, no matter who is watching, to be unapologetically you because who you are is enough and that is a battle that I face and continue to struggle with every single day of just realizing that I am enough and who I am and that is what God has created me to be but you know when you're your kids you're eight years old and you're dressing up in your great-grandmother's silk dress with her pearls and her hat and you're dancing around the living room and you you don't give a flying flip about what people think of you and you were never happier and never more your true authentic self than you are in that moment. And I think that that's something that I have to remember. Do you think that that happens because as you get older, you, you become aware of rules that young people don't know. And that's why I think so. And, mm -hmm. and I think that there are just these societal standards and pressures that people put on you that you don't necessarily even understand until you get older. Um, even, after that moment, I, I remember being bullied when I was a kid and just having that shape who I am and me trying to be quiet because of that, because I never wanted to draw attention to myself and just understanding and trying to unlearn all of these, um, what I thought were truths at the time that aren't necessarily true of just, you, you can be yourself and it's okay to be yourself and somebody who is authentic nowadays is a rarity and that is where so much of your power lies. Wow. That's something that, that I always like to remember because, you know, we're in a time where, you know, you, you watch these, these, you know, IG lives or any videos on YouTube and people are telling you or giving people a blueprint of this is the way you should behave. This is the mm -hmm. way you should talk and speak. What makes you hold on to your authenticity? Like what makes you just like, 
like grab it and say, look, I'm not going to change because this is who I am, accept me or not. I think a lot of it has to do with my faith. Um, I, I believe that I'm a, a child of the King and I know that that is where my true worth lies and nobody can tell me differently. Um, that is a, again, I have fought to get to that place. I have been one of those people where when I was growing up, I would like put on different masks to try and fit in with different people. Um, so I would, you know, try and be this type of KB with the cool girls. And then I would try and be this type of KB with my brothers and this type of KB at church. And I realized that I was tearing myself apart and not being who God created me to be. Didn't learn that until a lot older. And so now after a lot of self-reflection and therapy, we're, 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 we're where we are. Um, right. But I think that just truly understanding that you were made with a purpose and you were made in the image of God and you were made worthy from the beginning. Mm -hmm. Nobody can take that away from you. So I have a, a few more questions for you. In business, have you, you, you said you have a partner, right? In one of your businesses. Yes, in one of my businesses. What is your experience with working with a partner? I love it because he's also my best friend. So we is one of those rare relationships where you can mix the personal aspect of your life and the, you know, the business aspect of your life. And I've been best friends with him for seven years. And we started um, the company. It's called Double A Management, where we manage all sorts of different artists and do events and speakers and all sorts of things. Um, so when you've essentially grown up with somebody for seven years and you helped from the beginning found and had the vision together of where you wanted it to go, nothing can really tear that apart. So I, I love working with him. He's great. Where do you find the determination? Because one, one of the things that I um, experienced, and it's not just with um, younger or older people, it's just in general. People, it's easy to start something, but to continue and be consistent and finish it. I find that, you know, it's, you can start it, but then there's no follow through. What, what gives you that motivation to keep going and driving forward? I, I never start anything without asking people that I look up to, whether they're mentors or friends or my parents, um, being like, hey, do you think that this is a good fit for me? This is my vision. This is where I want to go. This is my plan for how I'm going to get there. Do you think that this is a sound idea? And sometimes people have been like, KB, no, we're not, we're not going to do that. And so I try not to start anything that I don't have every intention of finishing, even through all the hills and valleys and turns. And sometimes we might have to make a, an entire U-turn, you know, and start back at the beginning. When you understand why you want to start something, that is what truly gives you the determination and the drive to bring it to fruition. Because it's not just a, oh, I want to get 5,000 followers. No, I want my voice to be heard. I want to be an inspiration to young girls who have been bullied. I want to do this. This is my why. This is why I keep going. And if you continually remind yourself of that in the valleys, it's going to be so much sweeter when you're on the mountaintops. Even you, you have, you, you could take less than I can because I'm not a, I'm not a religious person. I'll be honest with you. My family isn't religious, so I'm kind of on the guest list, you know, because <laughs> <laughs> a good, like, a good amount of my family are, are you know, they're, they're definitely in religion. So they actually, I, I'm in the VIP area, you know, or the guest okay. list. You All know. are welcome. <laughs> <laughs> welcome, right? So, but one of the things is, is realizing and saying to yourself, okay, I know that this is what I want to do. Mm -hmm. This person is asking me to do this. That's stuff that I go through as well. Even though not being a religious person, I have to ask why you want to do this. I have to, I have to ask myself, the conversation is, why am I doing this thing? Is mm -hmm. it for money? Right. 
Is it for power? Is it for, is it to be seen? Because mm -hmm. sometimes people are being seen and they think that being seen is the same thing as reaching. Mm. You know, being seen is you, everybody could see you, but you can be reaching nobody right. because the message is failed, is flawed. You don't even believe in it. So that's the questions that I ask myself. So how do you determine who you're going to work with and who you're not going to work with based on those ideals? I think a lot of it has to do with, first of all, do we get along? Do our personalities match? Because I, I have worked with a lot of people who have made my hair turn gray a lot sooner than I wanted it to be. And I do not have time for that. That is one of the perks of killing your nine to five and working for yourself is that you get to choose who you want to work with. And sometimes you might have to take a contract just because, you know, you need food or something because you're tired of living off of spaghetti. <laughs> <laughs> um, but one of the first things I look for is just do our personalities match? Are, do, are you a good communicator? Do, are you going to tell me, like, can we have an open dialogue about what it is that your goals are and you know do you get back to me within a reasonable time and all sorts just like the basics of doing business with somebody like do we get along can i see myself working with you can you communicate because people who can't communicate drive me up a wall wow i loved <laughs> i love the part about the communication part the whole part i love but the communication part and getting back to you yes is one of those things that kind of drives me up a wall as well mm -hmm. so here's the thing I know they were all busy, mm -hmm. but you will be surprised. Well, no, you won't be surprised, actually. People that reach out to you to get something done, and then when you, and then when you, actually, people that reach out to you to get something done, and then when you get back to them and follow up with them, they take forever to return. And they go, oh, I'm sorry, I, I meant to get, I'm like, why are you apologizing to me? This was your baby. <laughs> you, you came to me, I'm good, I got my work. <laughs> Has that ever happened to you where, where, I mean, of course it has because yeah. you mentioned it, but what is your take on why you think that a person is bad at following up and, um, and why don't you work with them? Like, why would you, would you give them a second chance, a third chance? Like what's your limit? So I, I will always give people a second chance because I know there have been times when I've dropped the ball. And so I never want to judge somebody based on something that happened or truly they just forgot or they thought the email was sent. I'm like, okay, cool. We all have busy lives. I totally get that. Um, but if it's a continual pattern of, oh, the email never sent. Oh, you know, I meant to do that. Oh, my, my grandma's aunt's dog died. It's like, okay, no, that's <laughs> <there's> <laughs> not valid excuses right. for why it took you three weeks to return my email. Mm. Um, and so for me, if you're just open and honest and you're like, sorry, KB, I, I just dropped the ball. I'm like, okay, cool. Well, how can we, what can I do to help you not drop the ball? Even though it's not my job to mother you, if I truly want to work with you, if I believe in your cause and whatever project we're working on, or if I really need the money, let's be honest, <laughs> um, then I'm going to do whatever I can to help you get this project going. Wow. And you know, that's a very mature, you know, attitude to have about it because you know, there have been times where I'm just like, no, it's just like not going to happen. Mm -hmm. um, and one of the things is this. When I when I realize that a person, you know, like there's been times where I'm, I feel like I'm pushing more than the person is pushing. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that I've that I'm coming into understanding is you can't you can't want something for somebody more than they want it for themselves. Amen. You cannot tell somebody the, their power is right. like you have a power and you have to realize it. I could say it a million times. But don't you find it amazing um, how people are quick to give you their power mm -hmm. and say, well, KB's amazing. You're amazing. I don't like that 
for myself because what that does for that person is it limits them or it makes them it's almost like they're trying to take themselves off the hook mm. i got a friend who he's always saying you're so amazing you're gonna you're gonna take everybody everywhere you're gonna do this you're gonna do that i'm like don't wait for people and don't exalt people to higher statuses right and thinking they're gonna do the right thing right i have my own family in my life to take care of Right. And even my own family, I'm not here to take care of my family forever. You know, mm -hmm. like it's about growth. Mm -hmm. It's about teaching people how to fish as opposed to saying, hey, I'm going to be the one and put you in this position and you're going to be whatever. People that you put in positions, they don't keep the positions because they haven't earned the right to be there. Mm -hmm. So in, in that journey and getting to the position, that's where you become who you are. Like the journey is the journey is what's going to build you to who you are. Some people are so worried about where the journey leads them. Mm. That journey and what you accomplish, your ups and downs, is what's going to build the character of the person. So the person that you were when you were on your way is not going to be the person that arrives. Mm -hmm. That person that arrives is going to be ready for whatever's there. Absolutely. And that is the thing that I try to tell people, but you seem to just have it. And I'm just <laughs> like, I'm like, I wish that at 25, I was like, I knew this <laughs> stuff. I mean, because you're going to be like, Man, if you're thinking this way now and like it's a great path and I and I'm and I say that not to like to just to highlight your age though, but it is because I feel that older people or people in my age or even older, they feel like, oh, we know what we're doing and we have this and we got this locked. Like I love the way that the younger generation organized the protests recently. Mm -hmm. And I love the way you guys do business. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not the way that I was taught to be, to do business. When I was the way I was taught to do business was not to make friends with the person that you're doing business with and that everybody is your competition. You got to crush them. Right. That's how I was trained and I was retrained that that doesn't work. Absolutely. And I think that as humans, whether you're religious or not, we are, we're built for community. We thrive best when we are with people, unless those people drive you mad, then get a new community. <laughs> um, but I'm a, I'm a part of a group of women who are women photographers in New York city. And we refer clients to each other. We say, hey, I'm overloaded right now. Somebody just asked me to do this engagement. Is anybody open? This is what they're paying, you know? And so it's, it's truly an incredible thing to see of all of these women who for, I was going to say for better or for worse, but it's just <laughs> for worse. Um, most, mostly women are, tend to be catty or, you know, try and bring other women down. And I've learned from a very recent age uh, or from a very early age that, Tearing people down is taking away your power as much as it is taking away their power. Um, you cannot amplify your own voice just by tearing other people's down because nobody's going to be with you once you reach the top. Exactly, and, and give those women, and give those women a shout out or like, what's the name of this, this group? Yeah, uh, what, what's the name of them? Well, it's called just women, like women in photography, and I have all we have all sorts of different people. Who women are, in photography. Yeah. Shout out to women in photography. <laughs> I like to hear that. I don't like to hear the cattiness. So I'm all about oh, no. if it's if it's building community, I'm all with that. Um, how did you discover this um, this women in photography group? I am friends with one of the women that's in the group and she reached out to me on Instagram. She was like, hey, my friend and I are putting together a women photography group. Do you want to be a part of it? And I oh, was wow. like, heck yes, this sounds amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. So that's, that's pretty awesome. I, I like hearing stories like that. And I just add one thing to it. Um, because I know women sometimes say, oh, it's women that are catty. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you something, my sister. <laughs> it ain't just women. It's men, it's women. It's, and, and I'll tell you something. It's 
I want us to get to the meat of this. It ain't women mm-hmm. alone, right? There's a cattiness with men. And so me, men, they don't, they, don't use, they don't use the word caddy when they talk about a man that is trying to stop another man's business. They say he's aggressive, he's this, he's that. Mm. They, 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 there's code words for it. But right. I'm gonna tell you something, they're caddy, if, if, <laughs> if that's the <laughs> They're caddy, they claw your eyes if they could. So here's the thing that I realize about people in general. We have a side of us that's an ego, mm-hmm. right? And if we're not careful and we don't check our ego, we look at someone else's progress, even when we respect them as competition. Mm-hmm. Com- sometimes you don't even know you're in competition with so many different people you don't, you're not even aware of. And I'll just put it this way, just so I don't like to put the narrative out there that women are catty and men are not. Because then a lot of guys, they go around and they don't realize, they go, yeah, women are catty. You hear that enough and you start to believe it. Mm-hmm. I believe that people that are sure of themselves, people that know their own power and what they bring to the situation is that their uniqueness. And I'll just ask one last question. All right. If you can give a message to your future self, because mm-hmm. this message is going to be for the KB, you know, whatever, 5.0 or 6.0 or whatever you're going to get to be. <laughs> oh, you're going to oh talk to this person. You're going to look back on this in a few years. And I want you to remember this conversation. I want you to advise the person 10 years, 20 years from now. What do you want them to know? Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Could have at least prepared me for this one. No, I couldn't do that. Um, sorry, I'm thinking. I, That's okay. I, I think that one of the things that I want my future self to know is to never forget the struggle that you went through to get to where you are. No matter where that is, if you're if me 20 years from now, 40 years from now, whatever, um, understand the people that were there with you in the valleys so that when you get to the mountaintops, they're also there with you. You can always build people up and continue to build people up and understand your mentors and the people that you looked up to when you were 25 that got to where you are. And to also understand in that vein that no matter where you are in your life, you always have people looking up to you. So do something that you believe in do something that um, empowers others and inspires others and always lead people in a way that you are passionate about going. Wow, that's beautiful. Yeah. Thank you Thanks. so much for that. Um, I really appreciate you coming out. It's been a pleasure sitting with you. Like you're going to go on to do amazing things. I mean, what you've done and accomplished so far has been amazing and inspiring. And I'm just getting to know you and I'm looking forward to watching you grow. And also, like you said, build other people up, you know, just be inspired in the process. So thank you for joining me. Thank you. This was so much fun. Thanks for tuning in to the Nine Five Killers podcast. You can follow us on Instagram at Nine Five Killers. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend or loved one. Hope you're having a blessed day and keep killing those comfort zones. Until next time, peace. The 9 to 5 Killers podcast is now available for your listening pleasure on Spotify, Apple Podcast and Stitcher.